0: Okay, well, there's a lot to think about when you're in an MMA fight. In fact, well, any fight, actually. But there's legs and arms flying everywhere, you have to be hyper-aware of every inch of movement your opponent makes, and the margin for errors are smaller than Stephen Wonderboy Thompson's ego. I'm not giving up on it, my friend. I'm not giving up on that title. So it's not surprising that we've seen a few times, even at the highest level, fighters make a decision that they immediately regretted, and it ended up with their opponent's hand getting raised. I'm Bailey from MMA On Point. We happy? Vincent? Oh, we happy. Thank you to our friends at Surfshark for sponsoring this video. They've hooked us up with a mega deal. They're offering up to 83% off a subscription and they're chucking three months free on top of that if you use the code on point. One of the best things about Surfshark is you can get access to your favorite sports from anywhere in the world. That means no more geo content. HBO, Netflix, Fight Pass, you can watch them anywhere, no matter who you are, or where you are, or why you are. Why, why are we? And if you do need a bit more safety, Surfshark also has a clean web feature that blocks malware, ads, trackers, and phishing attempts, allowing you to surf the web safely. Poor. Remember, Surfshark are offering 83% off. All you have to do is use the code on point, and guess what, they're chucking three months free on top of that as well. Surfshark also offers a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's literally no risk in giving it a try. The link is in the description below. Surfshark, the cornerstone of any nutritious VPN. And these are 10 fighter decisions that immediately led to a loss. Number 10, Ryan Hall versus Ilya Toporia. I think it's pretty impossible to be an MMA fan in 2023 at this point and not know who Ilya Taporia is. The 13-0 undefeated prospect has finished four of his five UFC opponents and pretty much all of them have been highlight reel worthy. But back in 2021, not many people knew exactly what he was capable of. Least of all it seemed, Ryan Hall. The man they called the wizard had pretty much breezed through the majority of his MMA career by simply just leg-locking anyone he could ankle pick or jam roly-poly into. But where most UFC opponents have been able to neutralise and avoid Hall's magical jujitsu, jitsu the black belt Ilya was ready to swim with the sharks. Now, despite Ryan's attempts to either dive onto a leg or throw a spinning kick being shut down throughout the entire round, Ryan telegraphed a wheel kick and Tapoya read it perfectly and immediately shut out his lights with ground and pound. But I guess Ryan forgot what he wrote down before the fight and Ilya just made him pay. We almost saw this exact same thing play out between Lexagrasso and Valentina Shevchenko, where as soon as Valentina threw her spinning back kick, Alex sidestepped, took her back and it was game over. Number nine, Takanori Gomi versus is Nick Diaz. I mean, come on. This is one of the best fights of all time, right? Like, I'm glad it's in this list so I can talk about it, because no day is not a good day to re-watch Nick Diaz versus Gomi at Pride 33. They were heading back to the States for this one, so the card featured some US stars, like Dan Henderson trying to take the Pride middleweight belt from the only man that had ever held it, Vanderlei Silva. But before that, it was time for a Japanese-US showdown. Nick was coming off the back of two spectacular performances in the UFC, and Gomi was the reigning Pride lightweight champion and had only lost once in the last 14 years. Gomi actually shot a takedown at the opening bell, but quickly realized Nick's guard was not to be messed with, so they had an absolute slugfest on the feet. Gomi dropped Nick with his signature fastball punches, but he survived. But in the final round, Nick got cut, and it honestly looked like the refs might stop it. But he still put a beating on Gomi, who, with three and a half minutes left, shot a takedown and was wrapped up in a go go plier that turned him a nice blue hue. Fresh and juicy, ready for the picking. Gomi had already experienced Nick on the ground in the first round. Now he was even more tired and he was still landing punches if it had stayed on the feet the doctors might even have gotten involved but he shot that takedown was really tired landed in nick's guard and was immediately finished shame it became a no contest after a positive marijuana test you know anything over a 15 ratio is positive with the nsac but they allow you to test up to 50 going into competition well nick tested a 175 so yeah he was definitely high that night number eight Kane velasquez versus Fabricio verdum Unless you're a new fan of the sport, you probably know what went down in Mexico City at UFC 188. The UFC were returning to Mexico, but this time with a heavyweight champion of Mexican heritage headlining the card and defending his title, no less. But the main thing to know is his opponent, Fabricio Verdun, travelled out to Mexico City six weeks before the fight, where he trained at altitude to adjust his body and acclimatise to the 7,000 foot elevation. Kane, however, did not head out until two weeks before the fight, something he apparently had been coaxed into, and he was also coming off 600 days off because of injuries, so turns out backstage many of the other fighters ended up throwing up because of the altitude and the severity of it. Still, it was apparent basically from the start that the usual pace Kane keeps in a fight just was not there, and he was starting to fade as Vadoom was landing punches on his chin. By the third round, Kane was completely exhausted, battered, and cut open. And it may have been out of exhaustion or desperation, but he shot a double leg in the third round, and his head was on the outside, so Fabricio slapped on a guillotine, forcing the tap. It's hard to tell whether Kane would have been able to survive much longer in the feet anyway, but considering Vadoom also said he trained specifically for that exact moment, and as soon as Kane did it, well, the fight was already over. So the choice to go for a double leg unfortunately led to an immediate defeat in this one. Number seven Kazuhiro Kuseyanagi versus Carlos Newton. Alright, I'm gonna hit you with another old school entry right here, but there have been examples of this throughout the history of MMA, where one guy goes for a submission and immediately gets countered by their opponent. You triggered my trap card! But one of the best examples comes from back in 1998 in Shuto, when MMA legend and BJJ black belt Carlos Newton took on Kazuhiro. While in bottom side control, Kaz starts working on a Kimura, and Carlos steps over his head and counters immediately with an armbar. Probably wasn't a good idea to do that against the superior grappler. honest. And we've definitely seen this in the UFC, with the first fight between Matt Hughes and George St-Pierre. Matt's in top half guard, GSP grabs an arm to go for a Kimora, and Matt says thank you very much, and collects his arm for an armbar. And even more recently, between Jeremy Stevens and Mateusz Gamrot, Matt takes the little heathen down, and Jeremy decides to try and kimura him, but that unfortunately left him in prime position to get kimora himself. Well, there you go. Sometimes you go for a submission and you get submitted, I guess. Number 6, Mike Grundy versus Mahwan Most people say England doesn't have any wrestlers, but at the very least in MMA, there's guys like Mike Grundy, who represented Great Britain in the World Championships, the Commonwealth Games, and when he got to the UFC, he already had a great MMA career. 11-1, not bad at all. He even won his debut by TKO, and hey, he didn't even have to use any wrestling. But he dropped his next two UFC fights by decision, and coming into his matchup in London against Mahwan Emekani, he desperately needed to get a win, or it could mean the end of his UFC career. It's also possible that he was maybe a little too desperate, as just 10 seconds in he shot a takedown, his head ended up on the outside, and Mat did what he does best, wrapped up his neck. Pretty much a worst case scenario game plan from Mike, especially as Mr. Finland, who might as well be called Mr. Anaconda, as his last three wins now in the UFC are all with that choke, he tightened everything up and just a few seconds later, Mike was unconscious. Number five Fabricio Vadum versus Stipe Miocic After Vadum tapped Fedor in Strike Force and flipped the heavyweight world on its head, he immediately lost to Overeem in a kind of weird performance where he kept falling over trying to bait the reem into his guard. So when he arrived in the UFC the following year, it was with some hype, sure. But also a fair amount of doubt about his abilities to actually compete with some of the best of the division. But under the master Rafael Cordeo, his striking skills evolved before our very eyes, and he started to beat up the likes of Roy Nelson, Mike Rousseau, and Travis Brown. He even flying knee finished the K1 kickboxing legend Mark Hunt and then tapped C level Kane to become the champion. It was a historic career resurgence as one of the oldest fighters in UFC history to capture a title. What happened against Dipe Miocic was kind of anything but. Apart from getting everyone to try and wear his happy mask. During the first round with Stipe, about halfway through, he decided to run at the challenger, and rightly so, he was clocked right in the mush. But uh, then he immediately ran at him again, and this time, well, he was put out unconscious. Not entirely sure what he was trying to achieve, I'm not a world champion, and Stipe seemed pretty surprised to be one after that. Maybe it was because the guy just ran at him. I... I don't know. Number four, Andrei Arlovsky versus Fedor Emelianenko. Well, after UFC bought out Pride, the most enthusiastic fans assumed that meant Fedor was finally coming over to the UFC to fight the only roster of heavyweights he hadn't already beaten up but rarely in MMA are things that simple. And Fedor ended up fighting for the new promotion, Affliction. And they did some freaking crazy stuff, forking out over $3 million in fighter purses for their first show and even hiring Megadeth to play at the event. The second show, though, saw former UFC champion Andrei Olofsky take on the legend Fedor in the main event, and it was a pretty massive fight. It was competitive, too, but Andrei's speed started to take over, and he backed up Fedor, but instead of continuing his boxing assault, he decided to throw a flying knee because, okay, sure, and Fedor... Capitalized immediately, timing an overhand right that absolutely flatlined him. It might have seemed like a good idea, but unfortunately, it just led straight to the loss. Number three, Lena Landsberg versus Myra Bueno Silva. Have you ever been goaded into a fight? I want to fight you. Not even a fight, just like a 1v1 on COD or something. Maybe you've just had a proper Marty McFly moment. Nobody. Calls me chicken needles, nobody! Basically, when the Swede Lena Landsberg took on the Brazilian BJJ Ace Myra Bueno Silva, they had a good old scrap inside the apex. And it was very back and forth at first until Silva got a takedown and pretty much showed she had a massive advantage on the ground over Lena. Not all too surprising, you know, Lena was a Muay Thai champion. Silva already had six wins by submission. Still, she survived until round two until the same thing happened just 30 seconds in. And looking a bit like Magikarp before its evolution, it seemed like it might just all be over for Lena. But she found her way back up with 30 seconds left and then did something quite surprising. She jumped straight back on top of her yeah, it was kind of alarming. And then when 10 seconds later she was tapping to a knee bar, it seemed like she'd kind of made a bad decision. Not entirely sure on the thought process on that one, but it turned out to be a performance of the night for Silva. Number two, Kat Zingano versus Ronda Rousey. After Ronda armbarred her way into the UFC, they wanted to do a season of The Ultimate Fighter to bring in a bunch of other ladies and a whole new division. The UFC set up a fight between Misha Tate and Kat Zingano to decide who would get to coach opposite Ronda. And the then undefeated Cat TKO, in the third round, but Kat got injured, and well, Misha stepped in and took her place on the show, which, you know, worked pretty well, her and Ronda were rivals, and then Kat would actually have to wait a whole two years before she got her shot, while Rousey went for a list of contenders. But Kat managed to stay undefeated during that time, she even TKO'd Amanda Nunes in the third round after another gutsy performance, and then, after a lot of personal struggles, she finally got her long-awaited, well-deserved and well-earned shot at Ronda Rousey. It was supposed to be Ronda's toughest fight yet, and what did Kat do? Well, from the opening bell, she ran right at her, threw a flying knee, got clinched, thrown to the ground, and immediately submitted. Her decision to run at the judo black belt Olympian submission machine and put herself right in literally the worst spot possible, inevitably and immediately led to a loss. I am inevitable. Number 1. Big Nog vs. Frank Mir 2 Old Big Nog with his big noggin had already lost to Frank Mir for the interim title back at UFC 92. When they met for the second time, three years later, the Minotaur had just lured a helpless Brendan Sharp into his labyrinth for a knockout of the night finish, ending his four-fight win streak as well. So they booked a rematch between the two submission legends who would settle the score at dawn or at UFC 140. That also worked. Big Nog started hammering away at Frank until he dropped him in the first round. Mir looked completely out of it. Face down with Big Nog just hammering away. I mean, shit, he could already have been unconscious, but the ref didn't stop it. He just told Nog not to hit him in the back of the head, and so Antonio decided to sit back for a guillotine and put Frank out that way. Instead of getting the finish, Frank managed to scramble on top, Grab a Kimura and snap Big Nog's shoulder in half. And Big Nog just let him get away like Keanu in Point Break. Okay then, folks, before you disappear, make sure you give some love to the editor of this video, Luke Taylor. Check him out on Twitter at call to me underscore if you want to follow him and his business. Ben Rosette did the intro music as he always does, so thank you, Ben. And let us know in the comments below what you think. Oh, and nobody put Chris Weidman versus Luke Rockhold, okay? That wasn't an immediate finish. He beat the crap out of him for like two more rounds. Make sure to give us a thumbs up if you enjoyed it and hit the subscribe button. I've been Baileyan. I'll be back in the next one. Cheers.